This is Dr. Benny Tate, and you're listening to the Leeds Club Podcast, all about leadership, personal growth, and encouraging you in your walk with God. Our goal is simple, to help you lead like you never have before in your church, business, home, or whatever platform God has given you. Our next Lead Club session begins now. Greetings. This is Benny Tade, and I want to thank you again for joining us this month for our monthly Leeds Club edition. Our heart is that this CD will be a help to pastors, Christian workers, and churches all over America and all over our world. I want to take a few moments in this lesson, and I want to talk to you about communicating to hurt pe- hurting people communicating to hurting people. The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then verse 14, it says, how shall they call upon him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe upon him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without someone to communicate the gospel? When President William Henry Harrison was inaugurated, his inaugural service was the longest in history. It was 8,578 words. Now, President William Henry Harrison said there was two things that he refused to do. He refused to wear a hat or he refused to wear a coat. I guess he thought it didn't look presidential. But on his inaugural day on January the 20th, it was a very cold day in Washington, D.C. And during his inauguration, he developed pneumonia and died a month later. Now, there's two things that we learn from this president. One is when you speak, you might want to keep it short. And number two, you want to make sure you wear the proper clothing. I want to talk to you about communicating to hurting people. At Rock Springs Church, we started a home called Melba's Manor. It's a home for unwed mothers, girls that were pregnant with a child but had nowhere to go. Because we realize that people are hurting. We have a ministry called the Potter's House. It's a ministry for ladies that have battled drugs and alcohol, that have been on the streets, perhaps in prison. They've been disconnected from their families and have nowhere else to go. We bring them into the Potter's House. We have a medical clinic. About 39 different cities visit our medical clinic. The doctors in our church treat people at our clinic who have no insurance and have no recourse. We have a 12-step program for people that battle drugs and alcohol. We have a ministry called Impact where we feed and clothe and house homeless people. We have an Elijah house for men. It's for men who have nowhere else to go because we believe that people are hurting. And we've got to communicate to hurting people. Zig Ziglar said, 
If you treat everybody as if they're hurting, you'll be treating 90% of the people correctly. What's so amazing is God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to change the world. Gerald Ford was asked if you could go back and do your life over, if you could go back and do your career over, what would you do different? President Gerald Ford said, if I could go back and do my life over, I'd go back to school and I'd learn how to communicate. Sociologists tell us that people are becoming poor in their communication skills in the 21st century. They, ex they are experiencing the paradox of yearning to be effective communicators themselves, but are unwilling to work at the people skills to make it happen. Rick Warren said the primary, primary role of the pastor is to lead, not to minister. And he said the most important component of leadership is learning to motivate through messages. Learning to motivate your people through messages. Now I want to give you the qualities for great communication. See, words created this world. And God said, let there be light and there was light. Words created this world. And words will create your world. Because Proverbs 18 and 21 says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. The first quality for great communication is charisma. Charisma, the magnetic attraction in certain people which motivates others and causes them to feel better about themselves. themselves. Roger Ailes the communication consultant to many presidents said, the most important factor in public speaking is likability. If people like you, they will listen to you. And if they don't, they won't. See, there's a difference between a public speaker and a communicator. A public speaker teaches lessons. Stay with the lesson. A communicator teaches people. A public speaker asks, what do I have? A communicator asks, what do they need? A public speaker is content-oriented. A communicator is change-oriented. A public speaker, the goal is to complete the message. A communicator, the goal is to complete the people. There's a few things that I think we must remember. The first thing we must remember is this. There are no small audiences, only small speakers. If you're too big for the small church, you're too small for the big church. We've got to remember that the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, accepted Christ in a primitive Methodist church in a congregation of 12 to 15 people. There are no small audiences. Only small speakers. 
Number two, there are no boring subjects, only boring speakers. There are no boring subjects, only boring speakers. I know some speakers that can make Easter boring. And number three, if you're not interested in your audience, they'll not be interested in you. See, folks, you can preach to people or you can preach at people, but you can't do both. A quality of effective, great communication is charisma. The second quality to great communication is relevance. Relevance. The church has got to be relevant. I want to say, when people step over the threshold into your church, if they're stepping back in time, you're in trouble. Water is timeless. It is like the truths we want to share. The picture we pour it from changes with each generation and culture. Four ways to stay relevant. Number one, become a student of the culture. Number two, learn to distinguish what is cultural and timeless. Number three, communicate from their world. Communicate from their world. What's been very advantageous to me in my communication is some of the Christian movies that are at the theaters even right now and communicating concerning those movies. Number four, never assumed, never assume what worked yesterday will work today. Ten common hurdles in communication. Number one, initial connection is not made. Initial connection is not made. Mark Twain said, every sermon's got to have a good beginning and a good ending, and they've got to be as close together as possible. Hurdle number two is stiff body movements. Stiff body movements. Sometimes the speaker just needs to loosen up. Just needs to loosen up. Number three, material presented intellectually and not involving people emotionally. Many people speak, and their philosophy is set still while I instill. Number four, poor eye contact and facial expressions. Poor eye contact and facial expressions. Number five, humor is lacking. Now, I know and I understand that some people are better with the humor than other, others, but I truly believe that the closest distance, distance between two people is humor. Humor is kind of like changing a baby's diaper. It doesn't change anything permanently, but it makes it better for a little while. Number six, lack of competence in the presentation. Lack of competence in the presentation. Skeptic David Hume 
was rushing out of a facility going to hear George Whitfield speak. And somebody said to skeptic David Hume, you don't believe what he preaches, do you? He said, certainly not, but he does. I've often said, you may not believe what I believe, but you believe that I believe what I believe after hearing me speak. Lack of competence in the presentation. Hurdle number seven is low energy and enthusiasm. Low energy and enthusiasm. John Wesley said, if a man will get on fire for God, people will come and watch him burn. The reason why, ladies and gentlemen, we have many times icicles in the pews is we've got snowmen in the pulpit. It was said of Walter Mondale in 1984, he's stirring up apathy all over the country. The word enthusiasm comes from the words entheos, entheos, God within us. And we ought to be enthusiastic about the message of Jesus and the message of how Christ transforms lives. Hurdle number eight, boring language. A boring language. I heard about a guy that was speaking and while he was speaking, a guy fell asleep and he looked over to another guy and he said, wake him up. And the guy said, no, I didn't put him to sleep. Boring language. Number nine, the message not owned by the messenger. The message not owned by the messenger. You don't teach what you don't know and you don't lead where you don't go. And friend, it's got to move you before it can move the people. And number 10, a lack of audience participation. You have to believe in God. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your message. And you have to believe in your audience. Quality number three is timing. A good communicator thinks on his or her feet. They are not... They are not to spit out a memorized manuscript, but to know it well enough to allow some spontaneity in their delivery. I remember when Reagan was debating Walter Mondale, and age was an issue concerning Ronald Reagan. And during the debate, Ronald Reagan said these words. He said, I will not let my opponent's youthfulness and inexperience be an issue in this race. The timing was perfect. I remember when Lloyd Benson was debating Dan Quayle, and Dan Quayle was talking about, actually, he had as much experience as John F. Kennedy did when he ran for president. And Lloyd Benson said to Dan Quayle, I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. I serve with Jack Kennedy, and you're no Jack Kennedy. Timing is imperative. So let's be audience-oriented. Your goal is to impact, not to impress. Remember, pauses can be golden. Play off creative ideals that emerge during the service. Be authentic, catch a pair of eyes with each thought. 
and develop enough confidence to take risk. I want to give you some secrets of communication that I wish someone had told me sooner. Secrets of communication that I wish someone had told me sooner. Number one, prepare well. Prepare well. You can't just preach the same messages. We got many guys out there that are preaching the same messages, laying their hands on the messages and saying, you must be born again. But let me tell you something. If you're not continually growing, if you're not continually growing as a leader, as a pastor, your people can't. So I encourage you, prepare well. Proper prior planning prevents pitiful poor performance. Proper prior planning prevents pitiful poor performance. Winston Churchill said, there's an act of preparing the moment you start caring. There's an act of preparing the moment you start caring. Number two, memorize your first burst. Memorize your first burst. Number three, keep it simple and clear. Keep it simple and clear. Folks, I'm not deep, but I'm not stuck. Nobody's interested in the difference between transubstantiation and consubstantiation. He called us to feed the sheep, not feed the giraffes. Put it on the lower level. A little boy was eating an apple, and the apple turned brown, and he said, Dad, why did this apple turn brown? He said, well, son, when the skin contacted the air, it caused it to oxidize, and it changed the molecular structure. And the little boy said, Daddy, are you talking to me? Many times, folks, our congregation can wonder, are we talking to them? See, sometimes we can compress the most words in the smallest ideas. Prepare well. Memorize your first verse. Keep it simple and clear. Number four, better too short than too long. Better too short than too long. If you're speaking 45 minutes, and maybe you're not a real good speaker, I'll promise you this. If you'll start preaching 25 minutes, your people will say, He's getting better. Stan Toller studied the 10 largest churches in America years ago, and he found the average sermon was 25 minutes. Ronald Reagan was asked, why do you speak 20 minutes and then do a Q&A for 20 minutes? He said, because no one wants to sit in silence longer than 20 minutes. Number five, mix up the tone and volume of your preaching. Number six, use visual aids to take attention off yourself. I'm talking about clips. 89% of everything that we learn is visual. What people see is so important. Number seven, dress appropriately for your audience. Not too long ago, I was speaking to the Indianapolis Coats. I dressed different when I was speaking to the Indianapolis Coats than when I'm speaking at the church on Sunday morning. Number eight, arrive at the meeting room early. You need to be familiar 
with where you're speaking. Number nine, pray. Every Sunday morning when I first get to Rock Springs Church, I go into a room, 25 or 30 men, and they place their hands on me. And they ask God to use me for that day. They ask for God's touch to be upon me. Number 10, be fresh for speaking. Be fresh for speaking. On Saturday nights, I'm home early. No, I don't. I'm not trying to pass this conviction on to anybody, but I'm just sharing my heart. I don't go to Saturday night football games. I don't speak on Saturday night because I don't want to be out late. Louis Giglio said, for everything that you say yes to, there's less of you for something else. So always make sure your yes is worth the less. And I want to encourage you, always be fresh for speaking. And number 11, present a bottom line you want them to act on. Present a bottom line that you want them to act on. When I'm preparing a message, there's two things I look at. I look at content. I want to make sure this message is filled with the Word of God. Not just stories, not just jokes, but I want to make sure the Word of God's in this message because it's the Word of God that changes people's lives. I look at the content, and then I look at the intent. What do I want to accomplish from this message? And by the way, that can't be six different things. What do I want to accomplish? During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln would go to church on Wednesday night. He would actually sit in Dr. Gurley's office, the pastor, and he would listen to the message that Dr. Gurley speak, spoke. And one night after the service, one of his handlers was walking Abe Lincoln back to the White House. And the handler said to Abe Lincoln, what did you think of the sermon? And Abe Lincoln said, well, it was biblically relevant. It was well presented. And then that handler said to Abe Lincoln, was it a great sermon? And President Lincoln said, no. No. And the reason why is because he didn't ask us to do something great. I look at content. I look at the intent. I want to challenge the people to do something great. Tom Rainer recently said, he gave the top 13 reasons why unchurched people choose a church. And it was amazing to me that number one was pastor preaching. It's so important that we learn how to communicate with people because people need the word of God. Dr. Henry Cloud said, you've not understood someone when you understand them. You've understood them only when they understand that you understand.
it's so important we learn how to communicate. I re-end every Leeds Club by just sharing some practical ideals that I believe will help you in your ministry. And some things I've learned after pastoring now for almost 35 years. Let me give you some ideas. I want to encourage you to support churches and organizations around you that are doing things well. Let me explain. Early on, I thought I had to start every ministry. I thought I had to start every ministry. We need a crisis pregnancy ministry, so I'll start one. Whatever we thought we needed, we felt like we needed to start. But if I could go back and do my ministry over, I would find those ministries that are around me that are going well, and I would support those. I'd also say to you, if there's churches around you that are doing things well, you don't have to do it. Get involved. Get engaged. Support them in what they're doing. We have a ministry here in our area called Rush Ministry. It's a ministry to middle school and high school students. It's, it's youth ministry, and they have conferences, and they do things like that. Well, there's no reason for us to have a big youth conference at Rock Springs. We've got a ministry right around us that's doing extremely well called Rush Ministries, so we support them. Ideal number two. I preached a message entitled Handling Loss. Handling Loss. It's for people primarily who've experienced loss in their life. It may be the loss of a loved one. It could be even the loss of a job. But it's entitled Handling Loss. And here's what we do. Every time someone in our church community experiences a loss, we send that CD out to the family. Just Handling Loss. It steps to getting over the loss in your life. And perhaps you could preach the same message or, or something comparable. But if you don't, we'd be glad to give you that message that I preached, Handling Loss. And you can make as many copies as you want. And feel free to send it out as a gift from your church when someone has lost someone. Many people have contacted us back and said, that CD helped me so much as I was going through the death of my wife, as I was going through the death of my child. It's just an act of love. It's something that we do for everybody, everybody that we come in contact with who experiences loss, we send them a CD, handling loss. A third ideal I'd like to give to you is consider starting in your church a cancer support ministry. It matters not the size of your church. Every church is affected with cancer. We have a ministry at Rock Springs Church. It's called Compassionate Hearts. And we simply support people that are walking through cancer. We make prayer blankets. We present these people with prayer blankets. We send them cards. We pray with them. It's a group of people. I'm not even involved in it. But it's a group of people that's called the Compassionate Hearts hearts ministry and we'd be glad to give you the information of how you can start that ministry in your church just some possible ideas many times when I go to a conference if I can just get a one good idea 
it's been worth the price of the conference. Now, again, I want to remind you, June the 7th through the 9th, bring as many people as you possibly can to Lakeshore Church in Jackson, Mississippi. It's our general conference. We've got Jim Sembla is going to be there. We've got Pastor Robert Jeffries, First Baptist Dallas, Texas. We've got some of the greatest communicators, some of the greatest communicators in our world, and you have an opportunity to hear them. So I look forward to seeing you at General Conference, and I trust this Leeds Club on communicating to hurting people has been a blessing to you. God bless. Thank you for joining us for today's Leeds Club session. We hope you feel encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information or resources about leadership, be sure and check out our website at rockspringsonline.com slash leadership. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, personal growth, and encouragement as you walk with God. We want to help you get to the next level.